today's topic is church and how we should think about it. how we should think about church um, both in college and then maybe when we get out of college as well. So, um, but there's three disclaimers I just wanted to quickly go through before we really get into it. And that's this. So when we're talking about church, uh, some of us in this room at some point or another may have been burned by the church. And there's a lot of deep-seated hurt because of that, right? Like I, in my experience with church, my family had to move churches when I was in high school. So I had to leave a lot of the friends that I knew and it was just, it kind of sucked. And there are some more extreme cases than that even. And for that, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry that happened. And But uh, one thing I would say is that I would ask you guys not to shut this conversation down because church is really, 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 really important. So, and we're gonna we're gonna walk through that, but uh, just don't tune out uh, if you have been burned by the church because this is a really really important part of the Christian walk. Uh, second thing is is uh, you might in beach evangelism uh, every Wednesday you'll go out right talk to people and the conversation will start to go like this right. So, church is not required for your salvation right, which is true right. Church in and of itself does not bring you salvation, but it is false to say that it is not an essential part of the Christian walk. And so a lot of the times I have to catch myself even because a lot of the conversations go that way where it'll be like, yeah, I go to church, you know, Wednesdays and Sundays and you're kind of walking through like, well, it doesn't really at the end matter how much you go to church. But that doesn't mean that church is not essential to the Christian walk. And it becomes even more vital uh, when we do graduate from college because that's Honestly, the only way we're going to grow is if we're really connected to a church. But So that's the second one. Uh, third one is, is that when we're talking about the church, there's the church, right, which is the universal church of God, the universal body of believers. And then there's also a distinction in the Bible that makes sure there's a church, which is just like a regular gathering group of people that worship God and get into the Word together. right? So there's two distinctions to that. Um, and we're today going to be mostly talking about the local church, so a church. Um, and a lot of the times when Paul, because Paul wrote mostly epistles, um, talks about church, he uses the word ekklesia, and I think it's Greek. I'm pretty sure it's Greek. Tell me if I'm wrong. Which literally just means a gathering together. So it's not like uh, it's not like this super formal thing. We'll get into more of that. But uh, so we're specifically more going to talk about the local church today and, and the importance that it has in our own lives. So. With that said, uh, before we get into it, I'd like to pray uh, before I forget. So y'all don't just want to bow your heads with me this morning. So uh, God, we're thankful for this beautiful morning. And we're thankful for the opportunity to be down here. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, give us a day of rest as it's a Sunday, Lord, and that we would see more of you through that. Uh, Lord, but, uh, we pray that you would just uh, use these words that you're speaking to us now. Um, to impact our hearts and help us to see more of you through that, Lord, and, and the importance of, of your church, Lord, and why you've even brought it here, Lord. So we love you and we're thankful for this day. In your name we pray, amen. So there are three things that we're going to be walking through today about the church. So we're going to talk about what the church is, what exactly is the church. Second point, what does the church do? Or another way of thinking about this is what is the point of church? And then the third thing is, is why church? Why do we? Why do we even church? So, with that said, we're going to get into it. So, first point: What is church? Uh, so, church is not a building. 
It's, it's not this thing that we go to that's super formal. And I think it's really, really backwards when we say, uh, you know, why, why, do we, why do we have to go to church? Because church is an entity of people. It's not a building. And I think in our culture, it's really, really, really backwards when it comes to that. Uh, and church is also, so church is made up of people, but it's absolutely 100% not made up of perfect people. Church is made up of broken people. Um, nobody has it all together. And I think, I mean, I know, I know it's, it's true for my church, but I don't know about your church back home or like what kind of a church you go to, uh, you know, back at college. But I think a lot of the times churches have like this false expectation, this false sense of expectation that you have to be perfect or hold yourself to a higher standard the moment you walk through the door, right? So you have to walk a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You have to act a certain way the moment you walk through a threshold, which is like, why I say it, it's like walking into a different dimension. That's not what church is supposed to be like, right? So it's not like in Stranger Things, you go into the upside down or whatever, if you're in Stranger Things. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things, it's really good. So you should watch it. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely not like that at all. And, and like I said, it's, it's really backwards to think about, uh, like, why do we have to go to church? It's a me. It's, it's the people. The people make up the church. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, and they're broken people. Uh, we even read in Ephesians, right? So in Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and the sins. And you were dead. So you were dead. And then it goes on to say, among whom we all once lived. In verse three, and in Romans, uh, Romans chapter six, it talks about in which these it lists off all these you know bad things that we've been in. It's like and among whom we all walked in at some point in our lives, right? And I would even say we still continue to struggle with those things, which is why we are come together to fight sin, which is part of like what the church does. So it's made up of broken people. So. This idea that church is made up of a bunch of perfect people, you have to go dress up and you know show up and look good on Sundays and worship together, I think is not at the heart, is, is not at what the heart of, of the point of the church is. So, but I have a clip to show you guys kind of what exactly, it's like a picture of maybe what the church, well, it, it is what the church is. So, next slide, this is where it is, play it. <laughs>
church has, uh, I mean, it does have fellowship, and that's a big part of it, but like, the reason why we come together is because we're all on a common mission, right? So it might not necessarily to, you know, destroy the one ring, but um, there is something to be said about that, right? And so even the scene before, like, the, the, the previous three minutes, they're all arguing about, like, what's the best way to go about doing this? And so the church is like the fellowship, right? We're all we all bring stuff to the table. We all bring hurts. We all bring brokenness. But at the end of the day, we come around each other because we're on the same mission. And we love each other, right? So I hope that was a I hope that was a good picture. Um, hope that made sense. Um, I and I didn't try to throw a token Lord Rings clip in there because I like it, but it made sense. So, all right. So that's the end of the first point. Next point: Church is a family. Church is a family. Uh, in John. 1, 12 through 13, uh, so this is the Gospel of John. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then in Galatians, we see the same thing. And then in Ephesians 1, 5, it talks about how we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been predestined into that. And so really what this is a pointer to is, like, look around you guys. Everybody in this room, if you believe in Jesus and you believe that his sacrifice was enough for your sin, like, this is family. And the reason why this is family is because the relationships that we start here, the dynamic is going to change one day when we get into heaven. But they're, they're still going to exist, you know? And that's an eternal thing. Um, like, at Northwest, so I play a football game at Northwest, and a lot of times we speak of brotherhood, right? So one of the things that we do is uh, we'll host high school guys and They'll come from all over the country just to see what the school is like, right? And so one of the things that we ask them is, you know, like, what what do you want out of college? What do you want out of, like, your football experience? And one common thing that they say is, I'd love to be a part of a brotherhood. Um, like, I had that in high school, and it was really awesome to be a part of. And literally every single school, every single school, and it doesn't even need to be limited to football. It could be whatever club you're in or whatever you do, whatever you're interested in, there's like a sense of like commonality. There's a sense of community there that everybody longs for. And the reality of it is, is that all of those things are finite and they're not going to be, they're, they're not going to carry on. Like after I'm done playing football, like that brotherhood is probably going to cease, you know, but that is not true for like the, what the family of God is and what the church is. Those relationships 
And those, is, those that, that community that you experience is not limited to just our time here on earth, if you are a believer, right? So, and even in that, both your biological families, the people that you are related to in the church are both shadows and they're both pictures of what true family will be like one day in heaven. So like what true familial relationship will be in heaven one day, right? So there are a lot of different there are a lot of different backgrounds here with biological family. Like some of you come from really, really sweet homes where mom and dad are together and they really poured into you and they really invest in you and you have awesome brothers and sisters. And there might be some of us who come from really jacked up backgrounds, who family is not intact, it's just kind of a mess. And that's where my family is. Like I come from a really jacked up background. Um, and it's actually just kind of recently come to that. And that's a longer story. But the point is, is that like family has the form. We have the form of family to experience more of God, right? So the deepest longing of the human heart is to be known. And that is what family was put here to, to do and to manifest, right? So just think about it. Like, there's a clip from Inside Out, and I'm not going to show a clip from Inside Out because Inside Out literally gets shown every third talk. But at the, just think about it. At the beginning of the movie, right, so Riley is born, and the first two people that she sees is his smiling face as a mom and dad, right? And there's intense joy with that. Like the birth of a child, the birth of a new baby, there's intense joy with that. And that feeling of love and affection for a child, that should last for forever. It should in a true family because you're known and you're loved and you feel safe. But because of sin, that's not the case. We've talked about that before. Um, and so we have the form, but we don't have the substance of being truly known down to the core of who we are. So the concept of family is wonderful because we're delighting in each other. But the familial relationship that we will get is not all the way there, right? And the church can step in and be instead of that. And I think, I think just a perfect example of that even in my own life is, uh, so last year at Project, I had to leave early because I have a younger brother who's 20, and he got married before his freshman year of college, right? And I love my brother so much. Uh, he's one of the most important people in the world to me. Um, but I would not say that my brother knows me better than anybody else. In fact, I could point to two people in this room right now who know me, I would say, even far better than my brother does. And that's my brother who I grew up with, and we were so close, and then he got married, and then everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so I think uh, Ben Johnson and Alexis know me far better than my brother, or than my brother does. And if you're listening to this, Jeremiah, I'm sorry. I'd love to talk to you about it. But the reason, the reason why that is is because we've, we're on a common mission and we, we're, just, we're in the same part of life together. We're experiencing similar things. And I think more importantly, I think there's a sense of urgency between Alexis and Ben and I that we're on kind of this, we're on the same mission, right? There's a lost and broken world out there and we want to go out and make disciples in whatever capacity that may be. And with my brother, like, I think, I think he's a believer. I just don't know if it's the, we're on the same path with that, you know? And so the church can kind of step into that and be like, yeah, I can identify with that. I can come alongside you with that. And for some of you, it might be the opposite, where it's like, man, I really have a hard time finding and struggling to find friends, but I'm really close to my family. And so there's a little bit of give and take there, where both church, the, your, the church family, your local church, whatever that looks like, and your biological family 
are both pointers to a better family that is to come, which is in heaven. And we will never experience that like formally in 100%. Like, we will never be able to, 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 to experience that until we get there one day. But even in that, like there, the church is there in the stead to pick you up and to be there and to come alongside of you. And it is a family. And the people that you see around you are a testament to that. So I hope that makes sense. Church is a family. Uh, third point. Church is the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is the kingdom of God is not comprehensively the church. It means a lot of different things. But one aspect of the kingdom of God is the church. Right? Um, and we've been we've been studying a little bit about that, but um, one, of, one one place that I would like to turn to is in John 18, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 18, and this is when Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate is questioning, and this is how the conversation goes, and starting in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, called Jesus, and said to him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And Jesus answered, "Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me?" And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Right? And so what that's pointing to is that in the Old Testament, God manifested himself to a literal people group, the, the people of Israel. And Israel was supposed to be a physical kingdom that God made himself known through. Right? And that culminated with the temple. Right? We've been, we've been studying what it means to be, well, kind of what it means to be a temple in some ways. Maybe not directly, but it culminated with that. Um, and it pointed to, um, and in that failure, the, that physical kingdom pointed to a greater kingdom that was to come with the manifestation of Jesus. And the whole, if you take a look at, like if you read the whole gospel of Mark, what Jesus is trying to say is, is that I have not come here to establish a political, physical reign as was before with Israel. But I have come to establish a spiritual kingdom. And we are all a part of that spiritual kingdom. So the kingdom of God was manifested by Jesus and continues in existence through the church, right? Asterisks with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we can even see that in John 3, 5 through 8. Um, this is when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. This is in the same conversation. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And what Nicodemus is asking about is like, so you're a teacher, but why are you here then? So what is the point? Why have you been doing all these things? And Jesus is saying, man, like he's pointing to like, I have come here to not just pass over sin, but to pay for that sin. And we're a part of that, that kingdom. And we're going to get more into like what the mission of the kingdom is and what the point is. But um, the point here is, is that church is the kingdom of God. It is a facet of the kingdom of God, and it's important to notice that and to take note of that because that carries a lot of weight with it. So, and there are other verses, uh, I think, I've referenced uh, Colossians 1.13. You guys can look that up on your own time, but hopefully that makes sense. So church is the kingdom of God. All right, so 
Next point, sorry. I got a bunch of papers that are So the next question is, so what does the church do? What is another way of thinking about this is oh, uh, what is the point of church? Why do we why what what do we do? Right? So the first thing that the Bible makes explicitly clear in scripture is that the church exists for God's glory. Right? And Michael Backus even talked about this in evangelism training, right? So there are four aspects in the Christian walk that the church actively engages in that help us alongside that, right? So it's in fellowship, it's in evangelism, it's in prayer, and it's in the reading of the world, right? Not the world, the word. Um, so, and that's, so that's the, the wheel from the navigators. And those are four different things that the, the church explicitly does that God can glory in. And, and specifically what Michael has been talking about is, and then he dedicated an entire talk to you, like how does God get glory in doing something like cold call evangelism? Um, but the whole point, the whole point is, is that the church exists for God's glory. We are the manifestation of the kingdom of God that points back to God so all honor and praise be to you. So uh, in Romans 15, this is 5 through 7, this is chapter 15. Paul says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus, with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians, this is, this is a verse, this is one of my favorite passages from Ephesians. This is Ephesians 3, uh, 20, right? So this is a good one to memorize. Now Tim, Tim was able to do far more abundantly then all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So it's all a pointer to God gives the glory here. We might be working in that, but like the whole point is that we're supposed to point to Jesus and say that there's glory to be had there. Um, and then, yeah, so in Colossians 1.18, I'll do one more. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, he is the head of the body, the church. This is referring to Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, that in absolutely everything that we do as a church, he is the head. He might be preeminent. Everything points back to Jesus. Okay, second point. The church provides true community. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about this before, but uh, I want to read from you guys a passage from Acts chapter 2. And you, you just, just think about this for a second and ask yourself, does this sound like my church? Or specific, more specifically, does this sound like the American church, the culture that we live in? So this is, this is Acts chapter 2. Right? Uh, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' to teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Does that sound like the American church today? I mean, there's a sense of connectedness between the early church and a sense of oneness, a sense of unity that I do not think that any church here in America, I mean, maybe aspects of it, but not comprehensively like that. And I think a lot of that is just because we're such an individualistic culture. I mean, we have so much emphasis in 
on the individual to do well and to prosper and to do all this. Like, talk about a lot of that last Sunday, right? We're so individualistic. But what the Bible points to is, like, the point of community, I mean, what that looks like in the church is two things. And I think the emphasis should be on these two things. I think it's very biblical. One is small groups. And the other one is corporate worships, like what we do on Sundays. Because church is not limited to just Sundays and Wednesdays where we show up and we all worship together and let's just do preach and that's it. Um, and one of the things that CO models after that is D group. The whole, I mean, the, I mean D group is, is a super growing thing. I'm so glad I've been a part of uh, two of the D groups uh, in the last two years. But even after college, like, there is a thing that exists like that, and it's called a small group. And I think comprehensively, that's where the church starts, is people coming together in relation, living together, right? Studying the word and being committed to the mission, which is to make other disciples, right? Ryan Eadie even talked about this uh, like, I don't know, was that a week and a half ago when he was here on Wednesday. Uh, he said like, he's going to start a church plant. And the whole, the whole point of church plants is like there's three things. There's evangelism. You all talk to people. You, you talk to them about Jesus. There's discipleship. Right? And then you bring them around community. And those three things, it's no different in an established church. It shouldn't be. So it starts with small groups and it starts with corporate worship. Right? So, and I think we lose a lot of that in the American church because we're just so, our culture is so different. But there's so much truth and I think there's so much joy to be had in the way that the church was set up. So, in Hebrews 10, uh, this is verses 24 through 25. Uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews is not Paul. It could be Paul. Uh, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet with together. Once again, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he puts extra emphasis on you should meet together, right? It's not limited to Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever you do, you have worship practice, whatever whatever you did for your church, right? And I know at my church back home, we are not good, not good at doing small group stuff. And the more I've gone through college, the more I've realized, oh gosh, like this is a super important thing. Corporate worship is great. Cor there's a place for corporate worship, right, on Sundays. But... I think the church needs to have more emphasis. And this is why I really like Bethlehem. This is not a plug for Bethlehem. But one thing I do think Bethlehem gets right is they put so much emphasis into small groups. So maybe you're a person who's graduated uh, from college and you're, and you're going through summer training project and you're wondering, like, gosh, like all these people are going to try to get plugged into D groups. What's next for me? And the answer is go find a church that really puts an emphasis and wants uh, small groups to thrive because that's where you're going to grow, right? Um, and there's different facets of this. So specifically, what do small groups do? What does the church do? In James chapter 5, it talks about praying for each other so that your sins may be healed, that there's healing in that, right? In 1 John, it talks about coming together and just basking in the forgiveness and grace of Jesus. It talks about that specifically in 1 John 1, 7. In Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, it talks about the importance of exhorting one another every day that you might not fall into Deceitfulness. That's a paraphrase. That's a really rough, really rough paraphrase. But it's something along those lines. Um, that you may not fall into this deceitfulness of sin. And so there's something about coming alongside of another that's so important that I think the church needs to do. It needs to have. It absolutely needs to have. Um, 
And this, this whole concept, everything that's been laid out is so countercultural. It's counter, the correct two words I was trying to say were counter and cultural. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to speak English. Okay. So, and, and, and the Bible speaks the language of, like we, we've seen this in Ephesians, right? It speaks the language of adoption. Like we've been adopted into the family of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see this whole metaphor. It goes on like three paragraphs long of like the, 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 the body of Christ, right? There's the different facets of that and like how each one has importance and like how we shouldn't be alienating one another. And we are, we've been gifted in different ways. And all of those are true. All of those are true. So with community, the church provides true community. So, and that's, that's even true in college too, because even right now, CO is a direct function of a local church. So with that said, right, if you have been adopted into the family of God and you are part of the body of Christ, then why would you cut yourself off from the body by not engaging in community after college? You know what I mean? That's so important. The, 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 one of the main facets of church is to have and establish a community. And if you cut yourself off from that and, and you're not going to be a part of the body of Christ, you're going to die. Right? And it also doesn't make sense. Like, if we've all been adopted as children of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ together, right? Why would we all of a sudden just be like, I don't really want to be your own community? It's like your own brothers and sisters. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, these are the people that are on the same mission with you. And why would you just alienate yourself because you just don't, you don't feel it? And there's so much growth that you had. Just think about all the different ways that you've grown in your D-group this year with people that you don't even know that well, right? And hopefully you have. Hopefully at this point you know the people really well. But just think about how much more growth you would have if you invested yourself. If you, like, and this is specifically after college. But like, if you're like, I'm really going to buy into this. And I'm really going to buy into this concept of small groups. Um, just think about, and you're going to do that consistently for maybe two, three years, something like that, ideally. I mean, things happen, but just think about how much more growth you would experience, even in your own life, as the slow, I mean, as the slow process of adulthood comes upon you, you know? It's a big change, graduating from college and entering into the scary world of adulthood, which is why I'm still in college, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah. So I have another clip that illustrates this and why it is so important that you plug into community. So I think it's on the next slide, sir. Yeah, here it is. Only if we train to 
with the Force as an ally will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Patience. And sacrifice on him, Leia. If you honor with me, fight for him. Yes. If you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. I cannot interfere. I understand. R2, fire converts. Right. Luke, you don't give in to hate. Alright, so. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, this, is, this comes from episode 5 of Star Wars, which is fact. It's not debatable. Is the best Star Wars. And if you don't think, you don't think that it is, it's, you're wrong. And I'd be willing to talk to you about it afterwards, but um, yeah. So this is, but this is what we do. Like when we say, I don't want to be involved with church. Like the, you lose the community aspect. Like the whole point of why Luke wants to go is because he wants to quote unquote save his friends. It's ironic because if you watch the movie, you've had 37 years to see it. So the spoilers, I no no spoiler alert. His friends end up coming back and saving him. Like he doesn't really even do anything except get his hand cut off. You know, so it, and the sad reality of it is, it's like we are Luke Skywalker if we decide to go ahead and and just kind of do our own thing, right? And kind of alienate ourselves. Like he says, I have the Force, and then Obi Wan says, but you're not a master. Like you could say, I have Jesus, but like that's it's not good. Like yeah, Jesus is enough. Don't don't get me wrong. Like Jesus is enough, but like you don't want to alienate yourselves from growth within that. Like. Just think about it this way. If you're not growing in Christ, where are you Where are you growing? I mean, a lot of the times we go backwards because of that. And the same can be said. The same can be said. So I think in a lot of ways, we are Luke Skywalker. We just want to do our own thing and try to go save our friends because of a vision we had. And it's not all quite certain if it's actually going to happen or not. But we are Luke Skywalker if we decide to walk away and be like, I just want to do my own thing, you know? So does that make sense to everybody? I hope it does, because once again, I didn't want it to token Star Wars clip. I thought it was good. All right, third point. Third point is, what does the church do? What is the point of the church? Church is part of a cosmic mission. The church is part of a cosmic mission. So we are a kingdom. We've established we are the kingdom of God. But the point of that is that we are supposed to move the ball forward within that, right? In, in Ephesians 3, 7 through 13, it's, uh, or so we've all studied, it says this. This is what Paul says. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. And this is this is crucial. This is verse 10 of Ephesians 3. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, in the same way, we talked about in the first life training that I led, or whatever you want to say that, is that, or, no, it was the second one about work and rest. That was the second one, guys. Sorry, not the first one. Talking about how this world is jacked up, right? 
Creation has fallen, rest has fallen, this whole idea of being with God in perfect community is gone. But God wants us to step into that and asterisk by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We get to be a part of the redemption of his creation and specifically the pinnacle of that creation, which is mankind, right? That's the, the, whole, the best part of this is that we get to engage in this, right? God could have. He could have written the Bible. He could have assembled a bunch of people and listed out all these reasons, these scientific facts as to why the Bible is true and make it this huge intellectual thing where everybody's like, okay, that makes sense. All right, I'm going to be a believer now. He didn't do it like that. And also, he could have just used magic to make everybody a believer on planet Earth. Could have done it. Sorry, so distracting. I like using hand motions. Um... Yeah, and like it could have, he could have done that, right? But he didn't. He chose us specifically to be a part of that, so that we can move the ball forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. Asterisk, um, and we get to be a part of that. He works through people, right? He works through people, and we are on that mission. That's the cosmic mission: is that we are supposed to share the gospel and go make disciples, right? And even Josh, in his in, when he was talking about Eli, he mentioned this too. Um, the, the Great Commission is found in Acts 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit... And this is the Great Commission found in Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right, And so he said in Acts chapter 2, you read that the, the church is established in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 9.31, you see that the church is now established in Judea and all of Samaria. But it doesn't say anything in the 28 chapters in Acts about the church being established throughout all the world. And that's because it is an ongoing process. We are still trying to establish the world, uh, or it's not, not establish the world, establish the church throughout the world. That is our mission. It's a cosmic one, right? Because all of creation is jacked up, and we get to step in and try to save the pinnacle of that creation, asterisk, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, so that one day, we can stand before God, right? So we are on mission together so that we can stand before God. So we, a common question we ask on the beach is, so what would you do? What would you say to God if you, had to, if you had to make a case for yourself to get into heaven? So that God can stand before us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into, the, enter into paradise in the realms of your master. You know what? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and double it because these people are here too with you. That's, that's our mission. And there's so much joy to be had in that. There's so much joy to be had in that. So to sum up, the church is a bunch of broken people that have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and now live to one, bring glory to God and to carry out his mission here on earth by sharing the gospel and making disciples wherever you may go. In the local church, the church that, that, that God has said that he's going to ordain and that he's going to anoint with the Holy Spirit, you get to be a part of that. And there's such a blessing, there's an intense joy that is to be had about being part of a local church, right? Both in college and after college. And I hope you guys are seeing that. I hope all this is making sense. Um, because God works through people, and God works through the Holy Spirit. So, with that said, so, last question, why do we, why do we even church? What's the point? What is it pointing to? And the first point I would say is, is that because CO doesn't last forever. Because your college career doesn't last forever. Unless you're me, and it just keeps going. 
CO doesn't last forever. I mean, most of us in here will get four years of college, some of us will less, some of us more. But the question is, is where are you going to grow? Where are you going to grow after college, if not at church, right? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to find a bunch of people that are your age? And it's not gonna be like that, quite like that at church. That are your age, that are walking in the same, same walks of life, and that are able to pour into you in ways that other people can't. It's not a church, right? Like that's that's the whole point of church is that there are people there who want to do that, you know. So the question is, are we a bunch of Luke Skywalkers that just want to go around and do our own thing because we think we're we got the force? So what I would say to that is, or what the Bible would say, it's not mine. What the Bible would say is to get involved because. Church is not meant for leeches. And what I mean by leeches is people who just kind of float around and are very, very non-committal into what they do. You know, um, pursue membership within the church is one practical even within that that we can do. Because that community that we want and that we long for so badly and that we get in CO and hopefully that you've been experiencing, it comes with commitment. It doesn't just magically happen, right? Community is something that is intentionally done. Community is something that intentionally are. And, and the same goes for, so after after uh, after project is done, right, we'll be asked, hey, would you like to be in a D group for this year? And part of the, the deal that comes with that is like there's an understanding of like this is the main group of people that you're going to be involved with. And that the main, this is like the, they, they say ministry, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I think about that, but they say that this is gonna be the main group of people that you get fed by and that you are committed to to speak life into and to pour out yourself to. And the same can be said with church, right? You're going to get more out of it if you're in 100%. It's, the church is meant for those who are all in. It's not meant for people who are just supposed to know. And I hope that's not convicting. Like, I hope it's convicting, but I hope you don't feel condemned by that. Because I've been a floater too, right? I'm not, I'm not even a member at any church while I'm in college, which is ironic. Because I'm telling you guys you should pursue membership. But there is something to be said about covenanting with other people. And a lot of the times, church will use the language of covenanting when they talk about membership because this adds weight, it adds weight to what you're doing and how you're going about doing church. You know, it's like we said before. It's like we said before. Community comes with commitments. And I don't think there's really any heavier commitments, maybe besides an oath, than a covenant, right? Jesus did not die on the cross. He did not die on the cross so that you are able to join his adopted family, his, his body, his kingdom, whatever metaphor you want to use for that, insert whatever you want to use, only for you, for, only for you to use it at your own convenience, right? The kingdom of God, the church, is not like a gym where you get a gym membership and you come and you go as you please and you can use it any way you want to. The church is an entity. It's a body. It's a people that we are committed to that are on mission together, right? That are committed to pursuing God, pursuing the glory of God. And that is something to be, that is something that's worth being a part of. Right? And so my, my question is to you is like, even after college, just thinking after college, for some of you that's a long ways away, where are you going to grow if it's not the church? Right? Get involved with the church. Get involved with the church. Because after college, community in your life is going to look like what the church looks like, what small groups look like. This is the CO version of what community is. It's so awesome and it's so sweet. And I've, been, I've personally been so blessed by this. 
Um, like my life has changed in so many ways because of it, because of it but it's not going to last, guys. So the church is where you grow. The church is where community happens. The church is where you are, where the mission happens. And we are all called to be a part of that mission in all of these things of which we are called to do, right? So that's all I got. Wow, that was really timely again. Um, but I hope that makes sense. I hope you are understanding the gravity and the levity of what the church really means. Um, and I would really, really encourage you guys, um, you know, if you're in, like, if you've been floating around, uh, I would encourage you guys to find a church to get involved with. Not just like float around and, and to go to on Sundays, but to really get involved with. You know? And the second thing is, is after college, find a church to become a member to. Find a church that you can find a body of believers to, to become a member with and to invest in. Say, hey, I'm in this with you guys because I know you'll have my back too. You know? And that's, that's where growth happens after college. And that's the whole point design of the church. That's what God ordains in Scripture. That's what you see in Scripture. So, um, with that, I'm going to pray real quick for us. Um, what, what time has it been? We got 9.50. Okay. Alright, I'm going to pray real quick. So God, we're thankful for this day. Once again, we're just thankful for your church and the many blessings that you've even bestowed upon it, God. And how much you richly bless us because of that. And we pray Lord, that as we do go to church, we would get a sense of what this community looks like and that we would see this and that we would want to desire it because it's something that you've made for our joy and for our growth, Lord. And so we're so thankful for what you did for us on the cross, Lord. And we pray that that, that would be made all the more true today um, as we go to church, as we rest, and for some of us as we eat a lot of really, really good food, God. And so we love you so much. We're so thankful for this summer and the ability to be here, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.